Will They Find a Home? Sponsored by Geico. Steve is intrigued by the paranormal. Otherworldly spirits really make a house a home, you know? Janice has different taste. I'd like my house to not be haunted. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle home and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Steve and Janice found a renovated Victorian that's only haunted from 9 to 5. Okay, wife's home. Y'all gotta bounce. Bye, Steve. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, thank you very much, and hello there. Welcome back to that Josh Arnold podcast. It is I, Josh Arnold. Happy to be here. Man, oh man. Why? Because of this week's guest. Oh, it's a good one. Haven't heard uh, from this person in, uh, well, about a week. But we'll catch up with him right now. My guest this week, it's you! That's right. How the heck are you? Hope you're doing well. You look great. Hope you're feeling great, too. I'm doing well down here in the basement. And there's a little more room this week because they took all the boxes of Christmas decorations upstairs. And uh, they decorated the area. I don't know what they did with the uh, empty boxes for the time being, but there's more room down here, so I feel a little less confined. So that's nice. I uh, well, I hope if you put up decorations uh, this holiday season, whether they be uh, for Christmas or uh, Hanukkah or whatever you have going on, I hope uh, you're enjoying them. I I, I decorated and uh, I really enjoy it. Um, it used to be that I wouldn't turn the Christmas tree on until around four or five, um, you know, kind of around dinner time and. As uh, night starts to settle in. But now I've been turning it on as soon as I get home, uh, which tends to be around uh, 11 a.m., noon, depending on what's going on. Well, I'll be honest, sometimes 10, 20. (laughs) And I have them on all day, and uh, I really enjoy them. So I hope you're maybe even getting out and looking at some some Christmas lights or whatever. I think everybody can enjoy that. uh, Yeah, I hope you are. This week, our uh, sponsor, uh, really appreciate them stepping up, sponsoring the show. Uh, this week's sponsor, A Cool Song. Don't you like one of those? You you turn on the radio and you're, <laughs> you, uh, you know, you're like, oh man, this is a cool song, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe it gets your head bobbing or uh, your fingers snapping. You know, you just can't help but move a little bit to it because, uh, well, because it's a cool song. Yeah, man. Maybe you like what the lyrics have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we all have them. We all have it. We have. I bet we all have playlists full of what we consider cool songs, huh? <laughs> uh, I think it'd be interesting if somebody had a playlist of uncool songs. Um, like uh, I wonder what I wonder what the uncoolest song is. Uh, <laughs> the hokey pokey, maybe that's pretty. Uh, I mean, it's it might be fun, but it's not. It's certainly not cool. Anyway, no reason to discuss uncool songs. They're not the sponsor. Cool songs are our sponsor this week, so why don't you enjoy a cool song at some point in the next few days? Uh, <laughs> that really made me laugh. I, uh, <laughs> I hope you got a little kick out of that. Well, why waste any more time? No, uh, oh my gosh, not that our sponsors are a waste of time. Well, there goes a cool song. That's over. They're just going to rip my contract up immediately. I just suggested they were a waste of time. Oh, well. New sponsor next week. But let's go ahead and, uh, oh, well, I I see the the train is here. Why don't we uh, climb aboard and head on into Vocabulary Station? Oh. Boy, oh boy. Are you guys wavers? Are you a waver when you wave uh, when you're on a train or when you see a train pass? Do you go ahead and throw your arm up in the air there and give uh, the passengers or, heck, even maybe the animals or the freight a wave? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man at heart. I, uh, I remember being a kid and going to the zoo or uh, uh, there's this place in St. Louis called Grant's Farm where you, uh, you can go. Uh, it's owned by the Anheuser-Busch uh, family, and uh, you can um, 
uh, they have animals and they have uh, beer tasting and they have all kinds of things. And uh, it's kind of like a little nature preserve sort of mixed with a uh, a zoo and a brewery and <laughs> it's all kinds of things. And actually uh, Grant's um, old house, uh, one of his houses is, is, is there. They moved it from one spot and put it there on this farm. And the uh, Anheuser-Busch Clydesdales uh, are actually there uh, on the property and... Boy, they're a sight to see. And uh, anyway, there were these trams that you can ride. And I remember being a kid, and uh, anytime I was there with my grandparents or or at uh, Six Flags where they have a train or whatever, uh, <laughs> I my grandpa would uh, smile and wave to everybody passing by. And, I, and even as a kid, I remember going, that is such an old man thing to do. Uh, and now that I'm uh, 42, I, well, by gosh, I'm a train waver. So I will wave to a train, or if I'm on the train, I will wave to the people at the station. So. I, uh, why not? That's just a nice hello to people you don't know, you know. Anyway, uh, here we are at Vocabulary Station. Oh boy, this is a good word. Um, you could use this one pretty simply, I think. The word, um, and it, you know, it might be more popular in the UK, uh, but we've stolen, uh, plenty, uh, uh well, we, uh, I mean, we're all speaking, uh, in one form or another, the king's English. So, um, you know, we're certainly able to use it. The word is unzomatic. Unzomatic. And it means fabulous. How's your day today? Oh, boy, am I having an unzomatic day. I went to uh, a masseuse, and I had a wonderful brunch, and I bought myself a new suit, and I wore it to a, uh, <laughs> a charity ball. What an unzomatic day I've had. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's not to be confused with enzymatic, of course. It has nothing to do with enzymes. Nothing to do with, uh, <laughs> what are enzymes? Proteins that cause uh, biochemical reactions or whatever in the body. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. Unzomatic. And it has nothing to do with zomosis either, which is... I've heard that term, um, I was watching this thing on alcohol, fermentation, un, un, uh, zymosis is, just means fermentation, um, nothing to do with that, unzymatic, and I don't think there's a zymatic, I don't think you, if you're not having a fabulous day, you could say, oh boy, things have been pretty zymatic, I don't think that works, I think it's just one of those sort of like words that has the un in front of it, and um, uh, sort of like what, uh, Uncanny. I don't think somebody can be canny. That is just unzomatic. Fabulous. Boy, that is a, uh, oh, is that a new boa you bought yourself? You're wearing around your neck there? That is an unzomatic boa. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you can't use that this week. I, uh... But anyway, if you can, have at it. And you know what? I want to hear from, uh, if the uh, vocabulary station I find, I tend to find really odd words. Um, oh, I mentioned dec uh, decorations earlier. Last week's word, of course, finial dabra. Perhaps you you put up a finial dabra on the, the top of your Christmas tree there. But would you would you guys prefer words that you really could use um, every day that you might not, or do you like these weird ones? Let me know. Uh, I uh, I want to know what you enjoy most. And hey, I want to tell you right now. In fact. Uh, this is, um, well, one of my favorite segments of, of this podcast. What I enjoyed this week. Oh, boy, look at this. You know an unzomatic person is, or I, I shouldn't say, yeah, they're, uh, a person's having an unzomatic day when they're walking down the street to this song. I, I mean, this song screams fabulous. <laughs> Maybe they've got a, a cane there or a... Uh, Big fur coat. <laughs> anyway, what I enjoyed this week. Yesterday, I sat down. I had a little bit of time to myself, and I sat down in front of the TV, and I was channel surfing. And a lot of times, I'll go to what one of my favorite stations is Turner Classic Movies. I've been loving it. And this month, they have uh, their fair share of holiday films. And so I thought, hey, you know, maybe I'll just turn on something and um, 
see what's see what's on. By gosh, they were having a Laurel and Hardy marathon, and uh, uh, when I was watching, it was a bunch of their silent shorts, and I sat there and watched uh, three or four of them. And they all run about fifteen minutes, and just howled. And I really recommend seeking out if you haven't seen them, or if you have. Watch them again. These Laurel and Hardy shorts are as funny a thing as as you'll ever see. Um, I know, you know, maybe a lot of you don't turn on Turner Classic Movies or you, or you don't seek out some of the older stuff because, well, it's old. And it <laughs> you may feel like it's uh, slower or boring or a little stale. Well, sometimes, yes. I mean, back then, audiences had, let's face it, longer attention spans and they were more patient and so movies could move a little slower and uh i tell you what though these laurel and hardy movies they are anything but slow could you say that some of the jokes are stale maybe but the only reason you're saying that let's i mean what you're forgetting is that laurel and hardy probably invented the joke <laughs> they were like the some of the, the, the first guys to do it so uh it's not their fault if the humor seems stale. They, <laughs> it's the fault of everybody else that came after them. Oh my gosh! And to watch them, to watch the silent shorts are really, really interesting. And uh, you know they've got great music going the whole time, and the, of course they have those wonderful title cards. And <laughs> I just howled. I howled. And you'll get a chance if you uh, you know don't want to seek them out. This week, uh, uh, Monday, the, um, oh boy, what would it be? The 15th or, let me double check here. I'm sorry, Monday, December 14th, TCM is continuing their marathon of Laurel and Hardy. And I was looking at the schedule and they'll be showing one of the greatest short films of all time called The Music Box. It, It might be Laurel and Hardy's most famous short um, many of you have probably seen it or or you're aware of it, but if you get a chance, schedule it on your DVR if you've got Turner Classic. Really do do yourself a favor and check this out. The Music Box, Laurel and Hardy, where they have to move a piano up a set of concrete stairs outside of this building, and uh, I I defy you to not laugh during it. It is brilliantly funny. And some of the finest physical comedy uh, you'll ever see. It's and that's one of the things I love about Laurel and Hardy. They're they're so physical and so animated, but there's still plenty of uh, they're still like real dudes, like they're real characters. Um, I you know, as a matter of fact, seek out all this the the old comedians. Whenever you get a chance, the the Marx Brothers and uh, the Stooges, of course, and Abbott and Costello. And there's a lot of other, uh, you know, you've got the Bowery Boys and uh, just there's really some wonderful stuff hidden in the vaults. And if you're not familiar with it, familiarize yourself. You're, I, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I loved sitting back and watching these Laurel and Hardy movies. I made myself a, uh, well, tis the season, I made... I honestly made myself a mug of hot cocoa, and I sat there in my recliner, and I uh, I, I sipped the hot chocolate and uh, just laughed and laughed. So I hope uh, you have a similar experience coming up. Laurel and Hardy, boy, oh boy, I, I have a big book on them uh, about their whole their lives. I have not seen the movie that came out a year uh, a couple years ago with um, John C. Riley and Steve Coogan, but I, I need to read that book soon because uh, oh, I, I big fan over here. All right, let's get to some of your questions. Um, oh, here's a quick one. Jerry, uh, and I like this question because it's something I tease Tom Griswold uh, a lot about. Jerry has a cool, uh, he sent me in a cool letter. He says, being an English major and being as well-read as you are, thank you, Jerry, that does make me a better person. My question is this, do you consider audiobooks a form of reading or being well-read. And he has a story here. He says he works in the oil field of the Permian Basin in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. Man, oh man. Uh, 
That's a job. So often, he says, he drives a lot of miles. Sure. And he listens to, uh, well, the Bob and Tom show at uh, this very podcast. How about that? And he'll put in an audio book, and he says he loses himself in the world uh, the authors invited him into. What a nice way to put that. He says he doesn't have time to actually read a handheld book or ebook, but he's, well, he says he's listened to close to 200 of the 350 audiobooks his wife and uh, he share. They have a shared account. Well, that's well, that's great too. You can always talk to the misses about what you guys are listening to. And do I consider audiobooks a form of reading? When I talk to Tom Griswold, the answer is no. It is not reading. <laughs> Um, and what I mean by that is he, Tom will often go, uh, oh, I'm, I'm reading a, a wonderful book. Uh, and I'll go, oh, are you reading it? Or you well, I have the, uh, the audio and I just listen to it. And I go, Tom, that's not reading at all. You're, uh, you're, that doesn't count. And he gets real mad. <laughs> uh, but I always insist to him that that doesn't count. It's, you might as well be watching television. I tell him. <laughs> <laughs> he gets he gets annoyed. The real answer is yes. And one of the reasons I do consider it reading is bec- I mean you you nailed it here Jerry. This is uh, verbatim what he says. I will put on one of my audiobooks and lose myself in the world the author has invited me into. I mean if that's not reading what is? Because you're still, you're still list, you're, you're you're still taking the words of the author, and letting them carry you off into a a, a different time and place. And oh, that I mean, that's just wonderful. Now, of course, you that's essentially what you do when you watch TV or movies. You're manipulated by the filmmakers or the uh, actor, all you know, everybody involved, and you allow them to to. Uh, the difference, I think, is you allow them to show you a, a, a time and place that that you may not currently be in, or or even experienced or know much about. But when you read or when you're listening to an audiobook, it it really feels like you're being taken to that place. You're there's something more active about enjoying a book and an audiobook. I'm not saying that they're therefore a superior uh, medium. To film and television, everything has its merits, of course. Um, but uh, there's nothing like losing yourself in a book, whether you are actually l- staring at the printed page or listening to, um, uh, particularly the author themselves reading you their work. That is that is a, a genuine treat. You you are getting to hear. The inflections and the beats and 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 the rhythms of the writing from the person that created it. It's it's really it's really transporting and it's really wonderful and and insightful. In fact, I, I used to uh, boy, this is nerdy. I used to read books along with the audiobooks. Um, I remember doing that at a fairly young age. I got the audiobook. For I was uh, gifted by my aunt the audiobook of uh, Stephen King's The Gunslinger, the first, the first chapter in the Dark Tower series, and I started listening to the audiobook. And occasionally, I let my uh, mind drift away, and I and I all of a sudden I'd go, "Oh my gosh, I didn't listen to the last uh, four minutes or whatever." And I'd have to I had it on cassette, and I'd have to rewind it. And I went, you know, I wonder if it would be better if I followed along uh, with the book. And I did. And it was a great learning experience for me. I, I could because Stephen King was reading the book himself. So I would follow along as he was reading and go, oh, that's I wouldn't have read that sentence that way. I would have put the inflection here. He put it there. And what does that mean? And what does that say? about the narrator or the character speaking at the time that the inflection is on that word and not that one. It's, I mean, again, this is all pretty, uh, for lack of a better word, nerdy. (laughs) But it taught me a lot about economy of language and the power of the individual word in a complete sentence. And um, 
the flow and rhythm of a paragraph. It's it's all it's all really I, a lot of times I like to look at literature almost in a biological sense of you start off with the smallest item, you know, this that being a word or a piece of punctuation and you uh you study sometimes from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. So um I, I like seeing how the words make up a sentence and how those sentences make up a paragraph and then how the paragraph makes up, you know, a full page or a full chapter. Um, now that's, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't, when I read now, I don't sit around and go, uh, I, I mean, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm enjoying the books. I'm not uh, studying them per se, but there are times where, wow. I mean, I'll read a, a sentence that's either really breathtaking or, uh, or, or, or the 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 rhythm of it is uh, just really unique, and I'll go, oh boy, and it'll take me out of it for a second. I will kind of study how it was all put together. But my favorite books, and what I consider to be great writing, are the books where you can you you get all of that, and it still doesn't remove you from the story. You you appreciate the art. While, uh, but it doesn't take you out of it, you know. I, I, I love that. I love that, and um, I'm certain that I'm boring the pants off of some of you. Um, but we'll talk about other things here coming up. Uh, but anyway, yes, audiobooks count as reading. Good for you, Jerry. Two hundred books. That is, uh, that's wonderful. I hope. Uh, and if you have some favorites, send them my way. I'd be happy to share them with everybody. And, you know, a lot of people say they don't have time to read, and I totally get it. But reading's one of those things where uh, it has an annoying, that, that has an annoying response, but it is true. Um, sometimes the truth can be annoying, and in this case it is. It's, well, you need to make time. <laughs> if you really want to read, make time to read. Ah, oh, geez. That's, I mean, it sounds like such a snotty answer, and, oh, yeah, it'd be easier said than done, but. Yeah, it's kind of the truth. In this case, uh, Jerry has uh, a lot of time. He's a uh, boy, man, oh, man, trucking through the oil fields. Holy cow. That's got to be um, fascinating. A lot of people like to, you know, they like to talk to me about comedy and they want to know what it's like to be a stand-up and then what it's like to be on the radio. And I always want to know what it's like to drive through the oil fields or work on a, a tanker ship or, or a barge going down the Mississippi or, uh, heck, even, you know, what is it like being an electrician in a in a in uh, an office building? I mean, <laughs> it's uh, those things that really, that really, fa- what's it like to build a bridge? Jesus. Um, boy, I mean, those are, those are jobs right there. <laughs> uh, great question, Jerry. Thank you very much. And thank you for uh, letting me nerd out there a little bit um ryan writes in uh and you know what a few people have written in with this uh essentially this same question and uh it's something i really enjoy talking about ryan specifically says have you ever had a ghost experience or do you believe in hauntings uh and then i've had people you know do you really believe in bigfoot have you ever seen a ufo uh, have you ever had uh, have you ever had a ghost sighting that sort of thing? And I on the morning show on the Bob and Tom show we often joke I'm often teased for believing in all of this stuff and I definitely play it up. I uh, I love because as you know one of my favorite hobbies is to annoy Tom and Chick and Christy and uh, whoever else may be within earshot. Um, and I also think it's always I, one of my favorite types of comedy. <laughs> Uh, I guess I, I, you could call it the confident idiot where uh, they have like no evidence or facts to back up their viewpoint, but they insist on uh, <laughs> shoving it down your throat. That person, I, I, I always just get a kick out of. And I kind of am that person, especially when it comes to this stuff. Uh, so anytime there's a Bigfoot story, I always make it very clear that, well, well, this is very compelling evidence that we've got here. We need to hear them out. 
and uh, not mock them. And of course, all Tom wants to do is mock them. And uh, uh, I am playing it up a little bit. That said, yes, I do believe in these things. And uh, some of you are going to write me off as foolish right off the bat, and that's okay. That's okay. I, uh, l- like I said, I can't prove to you that there's uh, that Bigfoot's out there, and I can't prove to you that there are ghosts or UFOs or the Loch Ness monster or any of that stuff. Um, but that uh, just because I don't have the proof doesn't mean. I don't enjoy believing in these things. I uh <laughs> and that I and that I don't kind of actually believe in them. I I do. I when it comes to uh and, and and quite honestly in my head there are things that there's like a hierarchy of stuff I believe in from most plausible to most ridiculous. So if you were to ask me do you think ghosts exist? I'd give you a pretty Vehement, yes. Um, but if you ask me, does uh, Bigfoot exist? I would say I like to think so. <laughs> so uh, why? Because in my experience, the evidence for paranormal activity is I've seen some really compelling things. I haven't seen anything, well, besides the... Uh, you know, the famous Sasquatch footage or found uh, footprints, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But I haven't I haven't seen or experienced anything myself to suggest uh, that there is a Bigfoot. Um, nor have I seen a UFO. Boy, I wish I had. Uh, that always that always begs the question, if you saw something like that, would you tell anybody? And that's kind of one of my reasons why I tend to believe I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt, because I think if you if you come out and you say that you had an encounter with Bigfoot or you were abducted by aliens, you know that you're going to be mocked and labeled insane or crazy or um, an idiot or maybe a drunk or something. You know what I mean? No one's going to go. No one, most people aren't immediately going to go, oh, my, well, we need to listen to this story. Um, <laughs> you're going to end up being somewhat of a punchline. And I, and yes, maybe you'll get your 15 minutes of fame. And uh, so maybe some people come out and say, hey, I was abducted by aliens just to get that 15 minutes of fame. And they don't care that they're mocked for a little bit. And then they go on with their lives. But I think a lot of people know that when they, I, I, look, I believe that when people come out and admit to these things, um, that they know that they're risking being becoming social pariahs or, uh, you know, the, the town fools or whatever, but they don't care because they know that they experienced it and they have to tell somebody. Um, they're willing to sacrifice their reputations because what happened to them was real. That's just how I I tend to uh <laughs> that's that's why I tend to give these people the benefit of the doubt. Um and maybe I'm naive, that's fine uh, if you think so, but I I don't know. I think they have a lot more to lose by sharing their stories than they do to gain. No one's make I, you know, I guess some people might be making money off of uh I, you know, there might be money to be made off of claiming that you were abducted by aliens or that you uh, live in a haunted house or something. I don't know. But for the most part, I don't think so. I don't think it's that lucrative <laughs> to claim uh, that you saw Bigfoot, at least not in the long run. I mean, somebody might pay you a couple hundred bucks to show up at a convention or something but uh, or whatever it is. But, hey, I... Uh, you know, and I don't know, maybe the star will buy your story for 75 bucks. I don't know what the going rate for a tabloid, paranormal, supernatural, uh, extraterrestrial event are these days. But anyway, um, the question was, uh, one, one, some person wrote in and said, hey, if you do believe in ghosts, have you had any experience? And I have. And uh, some of you will do your best to debunk this. And I have too. 
One of my favorite, well, I'll be honest, I watch one paranormal show, and that's Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. And the reason that I love Ghost Adventures is it's a very small crew, um, and they lock themselves into these haunted locations uh, in the middle of the night. And they shut off all the power or like all the lights and stuff. (laughs) So they make it as bare bones as they can. And then they just do their best to collect evidence. And what I one of the things I love about the show is they debunk things all the time. They'll go, oh, my gosh, what is that? And and they'll they'll study a picture and then they'll compare it to other photos. And they'll go, oh, I see. No, this was just the light uh, reflecting uh, here or this was our shadow. Or they'll hear noises and they'll go, oh, no, that was the other guy in the other room, that kind of thing. They're constantly debunking things. And then they get ev- they get some evidence and they do their best to debunk it and they just can't. They cannot prove that it was anything. They, they can't, uh, you know, for sure prove that it was a ghost, but they can't prove that it was anything else. And I love that. I, I think that lends the show some credibility. Well, Josh, they're editing that show, and they could still be comp- faking everything. I I suppose so, but, well, no, I'll, 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 okay, yes, they very well could be. But uh, you're also seeing their reactions, and and uh, all due respect to the, to the guys on Ghost Adventures, I don't think they're that good of actors. I don't think they could act as terrified as they do sometimes or as... Uh, Excited and surprised. <laughs> I, just, I mean, um, you could give me the Blair Witch argument uh, that those three people were actors and they didn't know what was coming up. The filmmakers are just sort of running around the woods doing things to them and they were just reacting. But I would kind of go, yeah, they were, but they, uh, I think they were also genuinely afraid because they didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, it's a really interesting conversation. Is this stuff real or not? So I love ghost adventures because they're always debunking things. And in my personal experiences, I tried to do the same thing. I, I was unable, I'm unable to debunk the uh, well, ghostly occurrences that I experienced. The first, um, my mom's, the house that my mom grew up in, in uh, the St. Louis area, my grandparents and my mom and my aunt and uncle, you know, they all lived there. They all kind of claimed that that house was haunted. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you go, really? What? Uh, this is. And it kind of scares you and it kind of excites you. Uh, at least that's, that's what it did to me. And there were always stories going around that that they would share. And some of them were. As simple as, yeah, I, I, I was walking down the hall. I, I remember um, my uncle telling a story about how he was going, he was about to walk down the hall and this mist sort of, uh, you know, moved down the hall first and it freaked him out, which it would. Now, the hall was dark at the time. I remember him saying, so could it have just been his eyes playing tricks? Sure, yeah. But he also had a feeling. He had the, a feeling of, of dread. And so it was like, all right, okay. And then some of the stories got rather, many would say, outlandish. The, the freakiest being there was a, my grandparents had a big party and uh, everybody was in the basement, family and friends and uh, dozens of people all, da- all down there in the basement. And my grandpa had a new uh, camcorder and he was recording everybody. And they went back and they watched the video, and as they're watching the video, they keep seeing this woman standing in the background against the wall, and every time my grandpa passed, panned over that area, she was just standing there staring directly into the camera, and nobody remembered her being at the party, and nobody could tell anybody else who that, nobody knew who she was. No one recognized her. And they showed the video to a few people. And they said, who was this lady? No one remembered seeing her. No one had any idea who she was. <laughs> and so the theory was, well, that was a ghost. And that's a really fun story. But, you know, 
a, a party with dozens of people and I'm sure the booze was flowing and stuff like that. I, you know, somebody could have come in. It could have been the girlfriend of uh, a friend of theirs or just somebody that, that nobody really knew. And that person was uh, a bit of a wallflower and didn't introduce themselves. You know what I mean? There, there's, there are uh, explanations, potential explanations for that. Do I like to think that there was a ghost? Oh, are you kidding me? Of course. I would love nothing more than for my grandparents to have captured video evidence of a poltergeist. How awesome. I myself have never seen that tape, and uh, they're dead, um, and so they're probably appearing on somebody else's videos. So, uh, (laughs) which I also like to think would would happen. (laughs) Who knows where that videotape is. Anyway, my personal experience over at that house... I used to love staying with my grandparents. I would uh, go over there when I was, uh, you know, 11 or 12 or whatever and, um, yeah, spend a weekend with uh, my grand because they always took me to Olive Garden and to the movies, and I always I loved that. <laughs> and they were fun. They were fun people. And so one day my grandpa went off to work. He was a train uh, salesman. He was in the sales uh, training program at, uh, for GM, and so he would go and uh, you know teach guys how to sell cars. Um, that sounds pretty <laughs> dirtbaggy, <laughs> but I don't think it was. I think actually I know it wasn't because my grandpa loved cars and he loved GM in particular, and uh, um, he, he 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 to him. It really wasn't sales. It was like helping people. You know what I mean? So uh, his heart was always in the right place. Anyway, uh, and apparently he was good at it because he eventually became a trainer. Um, and he was off training salesmen. And my grandma was doing laundry in the basement. And the basement was always, you. I always had, and uh, my brothers did too, and, and my cousins. They always, you always had a weird feeling down there. It was never... If my grandma was always like, hey, can you go down to the basement and get something? We were, were never excited to do it. It was always, and I know basements are sort of inherently creepy, but this one, as soon as you walk down the stairs, you just didn't feel right. It just wasn't a, a comfortable place to be. Um, so she's down there doing the laundry, and I go down uh, to talk to her, and we're talking, and... We hear my grandpa come home. We hear um, him walking upstairs in the kitchen right above us, from the, right above the laundry room. And he walks across the kitchen, and we kind of hear him go into the bedroom. I go, oh, grandpa, grandpa's home. And my grandma goes, oh, yeah, it sounds like it. And I go, I'm going to go say hi. And I go upstairs, and nobody's there no, at all. And I look out the window, and my grandpa's car isn't there. What the hell? So I go downstairs and I go, nobody's there. And my grandma just goes, oh, yeah, that must be the ghost. I mean, uh, and she was dead serious. So is there an explanation for that? Um, you know, maybe. I, I, I don't know what it would be. I, I, nobody came in. I, they just couldn't have. They couldn't have come in and left from that back bedroom where we heard the footsteps go into. And it really couldn't have been the house settling because, I mean, it was the sound of footsteps above us. There's, it was, there's no, I don't, I just don't know what else it could have been. So, um, that was, uh, that was pretty formative for me where I went, you know, these, (laughs) this thing, this, this might be legit. And, uh, my mom, when when my grandma, my my grandpa died, and then my when my grandma died, my mom and um, aunts and uncle they were selling the house and they were getting the house ready to be put on the market, and they would hear random noises. And uh, at one point, my my mom, my mom and my aunt told me that they were in the kitchen talking, and all of a sudden they heard a very distinct fairly loud growl very close to them i just it, it, it come out of it just came out of thin air just this this very ominous sounding growl that was not anything mechanical or <laughs> and they looked at each other and my mom said did you hear that 
And my aunt said, yes, I'm leaving. And they ju- they left. <laughs> Whatever it is that they heard really bothered them, and they bailed. So uh, the other paranormal experiences I had were part of a ghost tour, which I went on as a lark. Like, oh, my gosh, what a fun thing just to go through and hear about people seeing ghosts. Well, this will be terrific. It was in Alton, Illinois, which is outside of St. Louis, and it's considered to be one of the most haunted cities in the country. It's uh, right there on the Mississippi, and uh, it's old, it's very old buildings. Um, uh, there's a, a large Masonic history to the town, and, and some believe that has, uh, you know, whatever the Masons were doing <laughs> helped create sort of this supernatural area, um, I, and I, I can't speak to that, um, but... I uh, my girlfriend at the time loved the supernatural and and for a uh, a date or whatever we say hey let's go on this ghost tour so you show up and and we ate they had dinner first and then the ghost tour so I remember we had this spaghetti dinner at the basement of like this VFW or whatever and the guides the tour guides introduced themselves and told some stories and said hey we're gonna go to this uh, Masonic lodge and then we're gonna go to uh, this house that's very haunted, and then we're going to go into this other house, uh, this uh, the ma- some, uh, the Pike Manor, and that is incredibly haunted. And she goes, we can't go in the one house, but we can go in the Pike Manor. I'm like, oh, all right, well, that sounds fun. So we get on this little trolley-type thing and go places, and the first experiences we started having were at the Masonic Lodge. She showed us a, uh, well, first off, there was a, a janitor there from the Masonic Lodge, and he shared some stories. And this guy couldn't have been <laughs> he, he came out and he said, "Look, I don't believe in ghosts." He was a very blue collar, down to earth, middle-aged dude, and he flat out told it. He goes, "I don't believe in ghosts, but here is what has happened to me." And he told some stories that that gave us the chills. Um, and uh, <laughs> One was he was working in this uh, this hallway, like kind of in an attic type space. And as he's working, he said some weird things had happened to him before, but this was the the one that really got to him. He was working up in this attic, and uh, from behind him, he could feel the floorboards and he could hear the steps of someone run up on him. He said it was as though this somebody was going was running up on me and they were going to tackle me. And he quickly turned around, and there was no one there. And he said that he shouted out loud, knock it off. <laughs> he he didn't believe in ghosts, but he knew that this happened, and he responded, <laughs> probably in spite of himself, he just knock it off. I'm working. <laughs> he didn't care for it at all. And uh, that I, I love that story. Uh, and... So they said, hey, we're going to show you where there are ghosts. Now, the one tour guide was a bit, she was either um, a true, like, ghost whisperer or whatever and could see all kinds of things that none of us can see, or she was just a terrific performer. Either way, she said, oh, if you look down, I remember we were up in this balcony area and we were looking down on this very large sort of, uh, uh, conference hall or like dance hall type thing that the Masonic Lodge had that they would rent out. And first she showed us, she said, look at how dusty all these seats are up in this balcony. Look at, look at how uh, the, you can just see, and you could, you could see dust had uh, layered all the chairs. And she said, but look in like that row and then go into the middle of the row and look at that chair. And by gosh, the, if there wasn't a print, a butt print in the seat. Now, <laughs> That could uh, and and the the story was that that butt print is always there, no matter how often they clean the seat. In, in the next couple of weeks, the dust will fall down, and the butt print will still be there. So the idea is that the ghost is perpetually sitting in that chair. At least that's what she and she sort of claimed to be able to see it. And I was quite skeptical of that, but uh, because that's something that could be easily faked. <laughs> All it took was somebody walking down that aisle, sitting down and getting up very carefully, and then, lo and behold, you have a butt print. But I, you know, I was having fun. But then she goes, "There are ghosts. I can t- I can see them. 
They are down on that dance floor. Let's go down, and here's how you'll be able to find them. And so we went down, and she said, what I want you to do is uh, hold out your arms and walk very slowly around the floor and let me know if you feel a cold spot. Well, immediately in my head, I'm going, well, an old building, I'm sure there are drafts and uh, maybe even vents or whatever. Now, this was in uh, late October, so it was cold out, so there would be no air conditioning on. There would be, uh, I, I don't know that the heat was on or not. I don't remember. But um, we all kind of did it, and we all looked very silly. I was looking around going, well, everybody's just sort of, you know, when in Rome, let's have some fun. And all of a sudden, she goes, wait, wait. There is uh, a spirit with their arm around me right now, and if you want, you can come up and touch them. I've asked, and they said it was okay. <laughs> and in the moment, I mean, I'm, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, so fun. And so everybody started walking up to her, and she showed, and she said, yeah, it's as though somebody has their arm around me, and they're standing right next to me. Feel how cold that is. And people were going, oh, my God, that's cold. And uh, finally, I walked up. And I was quite skeptical about this. I believed in ghosts at the time, but I thought this was silly. And so I put my hand where this other, where this person would have been, and it was freezing. It was so, it was like putting your hand in a, in a freezer. And I looked up, and the ceilings were so high. I mean, this was a giant conference, like dance hall type place. And... There was no vent above us or anything like that. And in fact, you could put your hand up by, like, so let's say I were touching the spirit's shoulder. If I went up 20 inches or so above where the head of the spirit would be, the air was hot. And you could feel that the cold air was in the form of what would have been a person standing. You could you could remove your hand a couple inches from where the person would have been and feel hot air. And then as soon as you went back, it was cold. And she had goosebumps all over her like she were being t- – it was it was pretty wild. And um, there could easily – there could be a scientific explanation for that. I don't know what it is. Um, so I so all of a sudden I went, this is, this is really fun. Whatever this is, I'm enjoying. But I still wasn't 100% that we had experienced – Anything paranormal? I I I wanted to. I I went. All right, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Um, and this is a good time. And then we ended up going to a couple other locations. And then we got to the Pike Manor, which is uh, it, it's off off a kind of a neighborhood road. And when you look at it, you go, well, if if that's not a haunted house, I don't know what is. It's it's an old, um, sort of uh, bucolic looking farm house but like but but big i could see why they called it a manor and it was uh pretty weathered the the white paint on the columns on the porch were was chipping away and um and uh there were a couple graves just like in the in the backyard uh, where people were buried and it was just very old I, you could picture it being in uh the 1800s, just some old farmhouse on this big hill. And so surrounded by these wonderful sort of weeping willows, just these big trees and stuff. It was almost like a house you would see in Savannah, Georgia or something. And so we we go in, and well, right before we step in, the one of the tour guides says, oh, they're, wow, this is uh, amazing. They're already greeting us. And she said, if you look, you can kind of see uh, the outline of a person in the doorway. And I look and I didn't see anything. And other people in the group said they did. And uh, I didn't. I, ju- I, I, I wish I did, but I didn't. And so I went, oh, all right, well, and so, uh, maybe these people want to, they're just going along with it. They want to see it. And so they're talking themselves into seeing. So we end up going into the house and we're standing. And when, when you walk in, there's this, a uh, very big staircase leading up to the second floor. And the house is creaky and dusty and cobwebby and old. And uh, <laughs> we're standing at the base of the stairs, and the tour guide's telling some stories. And 
she goes, she turns around and she goes, well, hello. And she starts talking to, to somebody who isn't there at the top of the stairs. And she's even pausing for like responses and stuff. Uh, <laughs> and in my head, I'm going, boy, she's good. <laughs> this is at the very least, this is uh, really entertaining. But this is the thing that I can't. Um, I, I'll, I, I, I can only I believe it was a ghost. This this orb of light. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I know some of you are <laughs> you're just you're just not going to believe me. But this orb of light appeared at the top of the stairs. And I, I, as I was looking at it, it, it I, I didn't know what to do because, <laughs> because I hadn't seen anything like it. It was as though it was sort of like the size of a Christmas ornament or a baseball, maybe or whatever. And it was this glowing orb of light, and you could see through it. And I, 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 I was immediately trying to figure out how they were doing this. And I couldn't, I, I, and I went, okay, what could be up there that's making that orb of light? And as I'm trying to figure out what they had hung up there or uh, on some pole that I couldn't see or something, she goes, why don't you come down and join us? And I'll be damned if that orb of light didn't start floating down the stairs. It started as though, uh, imagine the, uh, you're, you're looking at a person walking down the stairs and you're just staring at their nose. This was like nose level and it started coming down the stairs uh, right towards us. And, it, <laughs> and now I'm going, well, that is a ghost. There's nothing else that could be. They don't have some sort of illuminated ball on a string coming down this this it was I'm getting chills talking about it right now and it came halfway down the stairs and she said well thank you for for showing yourself and being here and uh um I can sense that you're not um a negative present I mean she was really sort of having a conversation with this orb of light and <laughs> I would have loved to have seen video of me looking at this thing because I must have just been aghast and everybody was still and silent. And she said, look, she said, thank you for letting us come into your home. And um, it went back. So then the orb of light went back up the stairs and sort of rounded the the uh, post the at the top there. And we didn't see it anymore. And <laughs> I was overjoyed if they faked it. If that wasn't real, I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I loved having that experience. But I'm telling you, I don't know how they could have fabricated that. And now when I watch these shows and it was years later and I would tell people the story and they would go, I wonder what it was. And I would say, I have to think it was. A spirit, and I had never heard of anything like orbs or stuff. And then come to find out, um, watching ghost adventures and stuff, orbs are quite common in haunted places, and they have a lot of very compelling video evidence of these things flying around. And they do their best to debunk them as bugs or uh, dust particles or uh, camera light refracting or whatever. And they they simply can't. And I certainly can't debunk what the orb that I saw. So we leave and we go back outside and she um she said, "Oh, look, they're they're uh saying goodbye to us." <laughs> and we turn around and there it is, a, a a black shadow standing in the doorway. Now, I've told myself that because I didn't see it before when we were going in. She said, you can kind of see the outline of the person there. And I didn't see it, but I did see it when we were leaving. Did I really see them when we were leaving? Or had I had just a, had I been converted and now I'm seeing ghosts everywhere? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. In my head, I can picture the, the black shadow form of a person standing right there in the doorway just looking at us. I mean, we, you couldn't see eyes, but you could tell that it was facing us. Or did I? had I just been uh, 
you know, sort of uh, brainwashed because of the last, the orb experience. <laughs> I don't know. I still, uh, who's to say? But my goodness, what, uh, and I have no, I have no problem sharing these stories with people because whether or not you think I'm crazy or dumb or uh, I fell for something or whatever, it happened, uh, whatever it was, and it was thrilling. It was really exciting. And uh, I have not had a paranormal experience since then, but I have uh, been invited to go on some some uh, ghost tours, and I'm definitely going to do them. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I think they would be a lot of fun. I, I would, I would certainly be scared, and um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I was invited to do a couple of them right before the pandemic, so not, you know, now just waiting for for things to get back uh, to how they were. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go on a few of those. And I've actually been invited to go on one with one of the Ghost Adventures guys. So I'm uh, uh, looking forward to that, uh, doing that. And I'm sure I'll, I'll get some footage uh, of either, you know, me just <laughs> stumbling around in the dark or, heck, maybe we'll, we'll see an orb who, or, or something. Who, who knows? But anyway, thank you for that question. And uh, thanks for letting me. Remember those those experiences, the one with my grandma and the uh, the one at the Pike Manor. They're just all all uh, a lot of fun to, to think back and, and creepy and, and exciting. And uh, um, yes, well, uh, this week is probably pretty busy for you. <laughs> you know, we're still dealing with covid. We're still we're still uh, sort of reeling after an election and um, people have mixed uh, opinions about that and and what's going on and and uh you know news of a vaccine you know we're we're kind of we're being as patient as possible but we're also kind of uh holding on because we know we're we're told that things are, are going to be quite rough in the next few weeks and uh, you know people are canceling christmas and everything and oh speaking of christmas you've got gifts to buy yet and a lot of shopping and um you want to go out and shop and and support local stores but Maybe it's not safe. Maybe you should just order everything online, but will it get here in time? Anyway, the reason I say all of that is because this week, what I want you to work on... Well, here's the thing we should work on this week. <laughs> I still haven't nailed my timing with that. I've got to, uh, I've got to practice uh, <laughs> hitting that post, as they say, a little better. But anyway... I just I just listed off a bunch of bummer uh, a bunch of bummers, but the reason I did is because the thing I want I would like for all of us to do this week is to give ourselves a break, and what I mean is give yourself whatever amount of time you need. And I know you've got family and you've got friends and you've got kids and um, significant others to to worry about, and um, but but it's very important. Give yourself 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and let yourself just be. Just just relax, sit back, and whatever that means. Um, maybe uh, enjoy a bath or uh, uh, go out in the garage if you've got if you're lucky enough to uh, be in a warmer climb or uh, have a heated garage or something and and uh, work on something out there or, or just go and lay down or, or sit in, a, in your favorite chair. But be by yourself if you can and just relax. Uh, let yourself – give yourself a break. There's a lot going on, and it's important to uh, chill out every now and again. And if uh, you're questioned when you go to do this, you just say, honey or kids or boss, Josh Arnold told me that not only do I deserve a break – I need one, and I, uh, this is my assignment. So I'm going to take two hours. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Just give yourself a little bit of a break. Take some deep breaths. Enjoy a beverage. Enjoy a snack, a TV show, anything you want. But just remember to do that. And uh, if you have a nice break, share it with me. At, oh boy, you, you would think I would know this by now. Josh Podcast. 
at bobandtom.com. Not only have I said it for the last nine weeks or whatever, I came up with it. I, I'm the one. They said, what do you want your email thing to be? And I said, how about just Josh Podcast at bobandtom.com? Great, we'll do that. And, and I can't remember it. I think I need to give myself a break. Oh, and uh, last week I ended the show with two simple words, and I'm going to do that from now on because I was asked about uh, how we're going to close the, these podcasts out. And I want to tell you a quick story. When I was uh, <laughs> young, early, mid-20s or whatever, I was um, doing improv and sketch in the St. Louis area and, and some stand-up, and I was doing it with wonderfully funny people and, and uh, really good friends. <laughs> and we used to think it was very funny. Uh, boy, this may not sound funny at all, but we really got a kick out of it to angrily say goodbye to each other. So uh, if we were hanging out, having a good time, uh, but we were getting ready to leave, one of us would just go, bye, and storm out or whatever. It, it, it always got kind of a laugh. And my favorite thing to say was, see you. And I would, I would say, see you very angrily and then leave. And uh, that's become a thing. Now those same friends, we still, if we're ending a text conversation or whatever, uh, we know that it's over when somebody says, see you. Uh, so I think, at least for the time being, until I'm told that this is uh, dumb and nobody likes it, that uh, we will end with that. All right? So, until next week, see you. <laughs>